My name's Liana Berry and you're listening to Art Muse Podcast, a podcast about the intersections between art, healing and creativity. This week I'm joined by friend, crafts enthusiast and crochet queen Ellie Anderson. Ellie joins me to discuss and reminisce on her journey to creativity, transition to motherhood and the ups and downs of self-expectation and finding creative community. Ellie also speaks candidly about the impact of her two boys' cystic fibrosis on their family of six. You can find Ellie and all her creative prowess on Instagram at ellie.makes and you can support finding a cure and improving the lives of children with cystic fibrosis at Cystic Fibrosis Community Care or Cystic Fibrosis Australia. Both those websites will be in the show notes. I hope you enjoy listening. Ellie, welcome to Art Muse Podcast. It's such a pleasure. I've been so excited to have you on. Thank you. I've been very excited. I've been waiting my turn. <laughs> <laughs> I know we've had a couple of times where we've scheduled and things haven't worked out due to life. So it's good yeah, that we're yep. finally here. Yeah, I have so many questions for you today, but I'd like to start off with my guests by getting a bit of a sense, a bit of insight into your creative journey. So you're a very creative person. Yeah, sure. So I guess I was quite um, a creative kid. I mean, I guess most kids are, aren't they? You're not worrying about what you're making and you're just drawing freely and that kind of thing. And I've always been very creative, like my clothes, my outfits. I was like, you know, classic (laughs) kid of the 90s, wearing patterns and all sorts of things. Um, And then I kind of feel like when I went to high school, I was thinking about this last night. I went and did art, you know, as you do. And I can pinpoint in my mind the times that art teachers have told me the things that I've got wrong or that I should have done this like this or that my art wasn't of a certain, I don't know, standard, I guess. So then I kind of dropped it. Like after high school and getting that feedback, I didn't really do as much art. And then I went off to work as a nurse and... I didn't do much then and it wasn't until I had my first my son Ollie that I really came back to it and had that time at home and I didn't really know what to do with myself I was really lonely I'd been through a lot of trauma with his birth and his diagnosis of cystic fibrosis and those things and then I had a new house that had so much potential for decorating and (laughs) and this big garden where I could do things so that's when I really came back to it and then with each of my kids that I've that I've had I've got four together as you know I feel like I've got more and more creative as I've had each one if that makes sense I just feel like it's kind of that flow of energy you know like birthing babies birthing new things that feminine energy of really making things for your hands like creating and bringing things into the world yeah so that's how it's happened for me yeah that's so interesting especially the the birthing parenting component do you feel like yeah. the creativity started to boost during your pregnancy or it was after they came earthside as such because I hear from other women that they have quite a, a big peak in their creativity during their pregnancy that something starts to shift during that phase of growing a baby but did you find that was the same for you it was more after you know when you were nursing little babies and trying to manage that chaotic household that creativity sort of spiked a bit more yeah so I I think in pregnancy that would be um that would ring true for me too because you've got that time and you're kind of waiting and for me I was like making things for the baby and getting like the house ready like that nesting kind of period and like getting all my ducks in a row 
Whereas when I had the baby, there was always a few months there that I was like, I do not have a single second to myself. (laughs) I just want to create and I didn't have the time or the energy and I would find that quite difficult. Um, So that would always be when I'd hit that four month mark and be like, I'm really struggling here. I had postnatal depression with each of my kids. I would be like, what do I need to get back to myself? Right, I've not been doing anything creative or anything for myself. Yeah, it's like those anchor points, isn't it? Like what? Yeah, absolutely. What anchors us back to our creativity? And like you said, like sometimes just even moving into a new space or having a new house or whatever it is, and you're suddenly you have something to channel the creativity into. Because a lot of people find it difficult with just like a wide open space of like, what do I create? What do I create for? And then, like you said, like actually creating stuff for like the baby that's going to be coming soon and then you know as your children Mm. have gotten older I've seen some wonderful projects that you've had alongside your children you know with quite that have quite a lot of purpose even if just to bring them joy Mm. or whether it's for a particular event they have or their school but it's so nice to think of those ways that life can give us creative opportunity. Yeah and I I recognize that there's a lot of privilege that comes with being a stay-at-home mum and not having to go to work every day and because when I was working full-time as a nurse I had very little time to create and the time that I did have after work I was like on the couch so I kind of feel like yeah there's a there's multiple things that come into it but yeah I recognize that I'm very lucky to be able to stay at home with my kids and have that time like to you know a lot of people don't get that yeah, I know. And I, I do agree that it is a privilege, but I also feel like sometimes we can feel a bit self-conscious about our privileges and people don't mm. always know the other walks of our life. So your journey hasn't been particularly easy, has it? No. You no. know, you worked extremely hard as a nurse and as a midwife and then mm. were, was very excited to transition into motherhood and then it just was not beautiful. Ollie came in a completely different way than what we expected and he came very early yeah. and he was very poorly and then two out mm. of your four children live with cystic fibrosis, which has a huge, huge um, toll on a family, but especially as a mama yeah. and for your husband as well. There's so many extra requirements of caring for and keeping mm. them as well as possible. So as much as like I can see that you want to recognise that you have um, gratitude and that, you know, you're privileged to stay at home, that's... Um... Yeah, I'm at home for a reason, really. If I didn't have those, my boys didn't have all their medical needs, then I probably would be back at work and things would be sunshine and rainbows and <laughs> um, all the rest. But, yeah, I I find, like, I'm in conversation, I'm like, oh, yes, I do all this creating. Um, I do lots of yarn bombing and crocheting for our primary school. And I feel like when I talk to people about it, oh, yeah, but I don't work, so that's why. Like kind of trying to make other people feel better. Like how do you do it? I've always got to have something. I can't just be like, thank you. Yeah, I work really hard. I stay up very late doing this and I put all of my time and energy into it. No, I'm like I always have to add that on. Oh, yeah, but I don't go to work. I, you know, yeah, so I think you're right about that. Mm, it is it is really difficult, isn't it, to like recognize and kind of break mm. down our social conditioning and not and figure out how we're participating in the same dialogues. And I do it as well. And uh, you know, plenty of times I should know better. But you either apologize for yourself or um, yeah. overreach into trying to make someone else feel better or minimize what you're doing. And creativity, like creating things, like you said, is actually a lot of work. Yes. Um, and a lot of energy we so often and and obviously everywhere is different in the world but here I still find a lot of people kind of treat it as like an extra 
you know, like it's this luxury to be able to create when actually Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, quite integral, isn't it? To Yeah, definitely. So it's a necessary part of my life, that's for sure. I think I don't know what I would do without it, to be honest. Hmm. Live a very boring life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's actually a um I imagine a very like enriching way, especially when your days can look the same. Sometimes they don't when you're at home and you can get out and about. But sometimes your days just yeah. become very mundane with all of the things that need doing, especially when you've got a big family to look after. Yeah, and yes, like my I've got three kids in school now, but the time between nine and two thirty is actually goes very quickly. And Jimmy, my littlest, he has he has CF, so I don't really take him out that many places. Like especially after the last few years with COVID and things were really um, scary. I guess. And he's been very poorly throughout that time. He's had lots of hospital admissions and it's just been really unwell. So we don't go to play group. We don't like go out. He doesn't, he's got one little friend. I mean, when you're the fourth child, you don't really need (laughs) that many friends, but I tend to spend a lot of time at home with him. I mean, like we go out and like go on bike rides and that kind of thing, but I don't have structured stuff that we do, if that makes sense. So it's good to have like a project that I'm working on every day and I kind of treat it like my work now because I've had a rough few months I'm like right I drop the kids to school get my coffee now what am I working on today and that really gives me some kind of structure and comfort like oh I've got that project and this and that and this and yeah and that sense of like mastery and like being able to achieve and and move through a project and yeah yep yep definitely that satisfaction when it's done yeah and shift yourself out of headspaces because like you said when life is really tough it, you, it's very mm. hard to kind of shift out of being absorbed by that whereas when you're creative it it, it requires you to put focus and thinking into it so yes. it naturally kind of pulls you out of because we all know if we're not focusing on our <laughs> making then our um, yes. crochet or whatever it is can suddenly become like a messy knot of chaos yeah absolutely it's nice to have that and I, I put it on myself too I'm like I've got 48 crochet flowers that need (laughs) that need to be installed by the end of the school holidays I've got to get this done (laughs) and it'll say to me like oh just chill like it really doesn't matter but it can't it feels good to me I'm like no I need that like I'm not at work like achieving those things so I'm like this is my job like find it (laughs) comforting a little bit of pressure Having known you a long time, I think that's always been a part of your personality is to be driven and to be ambitious. And Mm. like you said, when you were actively working as a nurse and then a midwife, you continually were very proactive in like upskilling and um, educating yourself. And yeah, so it's a big shift to then not have like set goals. So I think if you can find them in other places, then it does. Although other people like it's not necessary, it is necessary if you're wired that way. And that's what, like you said, gives you comfort. Yeah, yeah. I was very academic and now that I've had my kids I just feel like no, my brain just doesn't <laughs> just doesn't work that way. And you know, like there's studies to to prove it as well, isn't there? Like postpartum mums and mum brain and yeah, I just don't have the energy to do any tertiary education. Yeah, and the se- seasons of life, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure at some stage you may go back to nursing or you may not you may venture onto something else but yeah I think I'm do you know what I think I might venture onto something else because I just feel like a lot of I mean I'm nursing every day at home my boys you know lots of medication and treatments and things like that and I just I was nursing last year and I'm a pediatric nurse so just giving to to other families and to 
to other kids, the huge responsibility that is looking after sick kids. It was just, it was just too much and such a drain of my energy. And I just got to a place where I was like, I just can't do this. I give so much to my family above and beyond the normal. But the jobs that I've done um, have got me to the place I am now, if that makes sense. That's where I try and think of it. Like I've met so many amazing friends. I know all this stuff about looking after my boys because I worked and looked after kids with CF and chose to have my babies at home because that's like the model that I'd learned about at uni. And so I can't, I try and keep telling myself, your degrees aren't wasted. No. (laughs) Like I sometimes joke, all of those things have got me to where I am now. And hopefully, yeah. I'm just like, Ian, burn my degrees. They're a waste of paper. <laughs> All I do now is stay at home. <laughs> oh, yes. I agree. Yeah. Like, it's so, <laughs> it so feels like that, though, because it, the time goes so quickly. But then when you actually mm. break it down, like, okay, well, even if I just did a year's work, which I know you did much more than that, but how many patients did I care for in that year and what sort of quality did I give them and yeah like if you break it down to the moments of other people's lives you have impacted yeah absolutely that's so true and I think I still think now of nurses who have looked after me 10 years ago or looked after my kids and I can still remember their kindness and how amazing they were and I just think oh like you made such a difference to me I'm still thinking about you now I might not remember your name, but I remember exactly how you made me feel and how comforted I was. So, no, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah, you do carry it forth with you. Like, I remember coming out of surgery once and there was this beautiful nurse. That's such a small snippet of my life, but I will forever remember, like, how much energy and care she and attention she gave me like a complete stranger was willing Mm. to like just be there in like my messy moments and just be um, willing to go up like beyond what was needed like she could have just checked on me made sure my obs are fine and walked off but the fact that Mm -hmm. she was like wanting to give me comfort and I think like nurses are just incredible yeah they are and it's just like that basic kind of stuff isn't it like that really caring nurturing like rubbing your head or holding your hand or just like smiling and it's just those little things and they make such a big difference they do and especially at the moment I think the system is so overwhelmed and so complicated yeah. that hey I'm not sure if you'd want to go back into that anyway no um, no, no. <laughs> yeah and then um yeah for the purpose of the listeners I a lot of my family are nurses so I have quite yeah. a lot of insight into um Ellie's work environment as well and yeah. yeah it makes it harder and harder for them to be able to be that caring presence because they're just constantly pulled yeah, into just so drained but yeah it'll be exciting to see what's ahead and definitely those degrees are not not wasted but I think burn them yeah should paper mache them that's true okay what art what art activity can we do to help you process <laughs> we do have these linear perspectives of where we think life is going to go especially when we have been fortunate enough to sort of identify something that we wanted to do when we were in high school so like obviously you identified yeah. wanting to be a nurse really young and I was very keen on art therapy although it took me a while to get the necessary experience to get to the master's degree and then get Mm. qualified but when I did the first introduction episode for this podcast it's really self-conscious about what to share and how to share it and you know am I sounding too linear or not enough and like actually admitting that there were chunks where I'm like oh I'm not sure if I want to be an art therapist so I initially did two years of therapy work and then took a really big break because life just got so Mm -hmm. shit and um, yes 
yeah, the the emotional reaction I have to that and this embarrassment that I haven't, like, I didn't, you know, just do a continuation and that it wasn't, you know, and then since then it's become a very creative process for me of how I apply my work and the environments that I apply it into. And I do have private practice work that I do, but I don't do it in a conventional nine-to-five Monday to Friday, what what I thought it would look like when we were way yes. back young, you know, and I'm sure it's the same t- yeah. for you. It's like you you have this linear perspective, like I'm going to work this much time and then hopefully I'll be able to have family and then, you know, yep. I'll go back to work when the kids are a couple of years old and then, and then I'll continue on. And that's not how life, unfortunately, has, or, or fortunately, in different ways, has unfolded. Mm. Yeah, that absolutely resonates with me because, I too feel embarrassment and I'm only kind of just dropping it now and just, yeah, just really embarrassing. I think my friends are in these really like high up jobs now as nurses and they're just there every day. They're like really senior on the ward and like that could have been me. I could be a manager by now. I'm just like, ew, just drop it. Like what do I want from life? That's what I've been asking myself. I just want a really happy life where I'm I've just wake up in the morning I'm happy to be there I spend time with my kids I go to work sure in whatever like job that is and just live a relaxed and happy life and I just I just like I went back to work when one of my girls I think it was Lucy was six months old and I was still breastfeeding because I felt that's like what I should do and so I went back and I was I asked if I could bring her in to breastfeed her and they said no there was all this drama about her coming to me at work to breastfeed and now I reflect back on that I'm like what was I doing but at the time I just thought that's what I need to do you know what I mean I'm just like what what a fool (laughs) and I'm like and I have to be reminded all the time I've got two kids like I'm considered a carer I need to give myself a break because I'm giving so much to these boys I mean and to my girls too but yeah just to the boys I'm like what I can't do it all I really can't do it all so just relax Ian has been saying that to me for years (laughs) but it's only now sinking in that I'm like give yourself a break girl like what if it was my best friend or my sister or you like I hear you having a break and I'm like you needed that break don't be embarrassed or guilty like yeah you look back into what's going on in your life or what's still going on and you're like well I wouldn't expect anyone else to be pressuring themselves in that environment just because they think they should with creativity do you have that same pressure to do it a certain way or do you get overwhelmed by shoulds or because from the outside your creative practice which maybe we should share a little bit about what you get up to in your creative practice yeah your your yeah let's start there actually and then I'll ask my question what sort of things do you make or create like what's your kind of go-to yes so my favorite my craft of choice is crochet so I started mosaicing first of all and I do it in the house I'm like (laughs) cutting glass and tiles there was multiple injuries and and I was like yeah right I need to find a safer craft around kids (laughs) so then I learned when um, Lucy was baby so about five years ago I learned how to crochet and from when I first started oh I was like so frustrated and you know, I was just like, I can't do it. And no, that's now turned into a real love for it. And the thing I love about crochet is that if you make a mistake, you can like pretty easily hide it, all the types of crochet I do anyway. And I just freestyle stuff. I love bright colours and I love flowers and butterflies and 
you know, I love like a really whimsical thing. I love fairies and toadstools. And for my kids, I really like to nurture that, you know, like that wonder. So yes, crochet is my favorite. And I do lots of crochet for the kids' school. So like yarn bonging and covering things and flowers and like creatures and stuff around. And that's because the one of the teachers there who was the art teacher, but she's now the music teacher, she crochets as well. I was thinking about this last night actually, about how I kind of got started really crocheting. And it's because I've got a tree out the front of my house and I yarn bombed my tree. And I just love the quote you can't be what you can't see and I just find that really true like because if I go down to Fremantle or something for example I walk around and I'm like oh like I love it here this is like this is my place like I should live here the houses have got bunting off and like colored stuff yarn bombs like with art but where I live like no there's nothing there's nothing like that so I was like right I want that how can I get that I will, I will start it. And then it kind of snowballed from there. Like people will be like, oh, she's like, she's the girl that like, like does stuff at the school. And like, you know, that teacher saw my house and was like, you crochet. And I was like, yeah. And we started a crochet club at school. Um, so <laughs> yeah, my, my love and my passion is crochet. And then I'm in a sewing club membership with Natalie Trussler, who's like very Steiner inspired. She makes like lots of little fairies and elves and like lots of stuff with wool felt and it's all hand, like hand sewing. And she's really, she focuses on the imperfections of stuff. So I, I've loved doing that too. She's just like, it's perfectly imperfect. So that's helped me a lot in my creating because that, I think we all, we all try and be perfectionists, don't we? Oh, yeah, absolutely. In the crafty world. That awareness that we give each other permission, even if it's not actually vocally mm. giving each other permission, like you said, just being visible. You have no idea who you are encouraging just by having something available to see. Yes. Um, and to see in all of its individuality and quirkiness. And I think when people like that that are teaching and facilitating are actively actually saying, like, the imperfect is perfect you know like show your mistakes or work with them or adapt them yeah um, there's this really lovely book called beautiful oops have you seen it or heard of oh no i haven't it's a children's book but um i think there's different versions you can get but the version that i have is um where the actual adaptions to the pages are actually done so there's like mistakes on each page and I use it a lot with the kids I work with and like one like the corner will be folded on one page and then you turn the page over and the corner that was folded has turned into a penguin beak or it's like there's a picture of a um like an ink spill and then the ink spill will be turned into another picture so it's encouraging kids to like turn their oops like their mistakes into beautiful um adaptions yeah yeah what a wonderful concept Mm. So I was wondering, it, you have like a very dynamic approach to your crafting and your creating. Again, you give me permission in lots of ways in the way that you just explore and like jump into things and have a go and, you know, yeah. you're at home a lot. So a lot of the time you do take on your projects at home. Like you recently explored doing some um, clay work at home, didn't you? And you yeah. um, even got a little kiln, <laughs> which was really inspiring. Yes. Oh, we love we love our clay. We haven't had much time to do it lately, but now that the weather's warming up, we were saying that we'll do a bit more because we do it out on the deck and it's, yeah, it's so nice. And that was a real, <laughs> a real steep learning curve. Like 
we're so excited to open the kiln and we open up and everything's like this like cracked stuff and all the glaze is cracked and stuff like, oh but try again like <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's definitely a medium that if it's if you want to learn how to manage expectations and when things mm. don't work out and disappointment that's definitely your go-to it comes up a lot in art therapy and there's a lot of enthusiasm for um, clay which i and fully supportive of but I'm always have a word of caution to people just because of that I feel like in um 2020 clay stuff and ceramics got very trendy like when everyone was at home and then I'd see all these like pages on Instagram <laughs> that'd be like this these amazing clay cups I'm like too easy like I'm gonna oh my god this is actually really hard <laughs> it looks so easy but how are they all oh, they're perfect and just on such mass because sometimes I'm like cool I'll just like make cups and sell them I'm just like I do it. I'm like, well, that was fun, but I couldn't do it forever. <laughs> Not into the mass production of things. <laughs> no, and like just, um, yeah, the dedication and the time and the skill to be able to. It seems like people just jump straight into it. Like it all happens very fast on the internet, you know, and people suddenly have these thriving businesses. Yeah. And it's like, well, I mean, sometimes we do pick up things really quickly, but that's why I always have, yeah, a word of caution with clay for people because if you're really struggling, it can definitely amplify that and so if you're someone that's feeling really sensitive and wanting some mastery over what you're doing and you haven't done clay before then it's like not always advisable because (laughs) oh yes that is so true isn't it just like oh I'm a failure yeah and it's just quite hard to master even just in a making point of view like it's slippery and it's hard to put together but I mean saying that like see that's what I find relaxing about it it's like so cold and like oh I just love putting my hands in it and stuff Mm. yeah and it's really reminiscent of earth I think a lot of people like really like that grounding so you it can be one way or the other like some people are in the middle but I do often find people have reactivity to it either way they either really love it and find it really grounding and soothing and they're just there for even the hard parts of it and other people find it really activating and they're like oh I hate this and this is really sensory yeah it's unpleasant in a sensory way and it's also yeah that's so true isn't it that's why I love my crochet it's just easy and make a mistake you can just pull it out or like me I just hide my mistakes <laughs> crochet and knitting actually like we're talking about the therapeutic benefit of different art processes is known to be really helpful for stress reduction and even people sometimes with PTSD yeah find it really helpful and it's something in that rhythmic quality that there's something that slows the brain down and it's like you're engaging your brain and your hands obviously but in a really rhythmic repetitive way and there's something in that motion that some people find really supportive which is yeah yeah absolutely and I feel like it can go either like two ways if I'm like making a flower or something I'll be having to count and I'll be like trying like to work it out so it's really mindful and you know I'm just like focusing on that task everything else kind of falls away or I can be making a blanket and it's really long and I've just got to like my hands are just doing it and I'm not thinking about it so it's got, got both and I have I've done a little bit of knitting but I found knitting's a bit, a bit too tricky for me I like the one hook mm. <laughs> one hook and a ball of yarn and my scissors and I can do crochet anywhere <laughs> yeah I always really admire your crochet practice because you create such wonderful things like you said flowers and and you can weave in different fabrics as well can't you with sometimes or like connect them Mm. I guess um to parts of your crochet because I have to notice like just the diversity of colors and I I like to use all different 
yeah, all different colours, all different types of yarn. Like I don't, I've only just recently followed a pattern and made some little cute lanterns for my girls. But yeah, I like doing like some thick yarn, some fluffy yarn, some like straightforward yarn. Like if someone said to me, oh, you should make this just fully crocheted blanket in one colour, I'd be like, (laughs) couldn't even imagine. (laughs) (laughs) No, thanks. But I'll cover my entire bike in colourful crochet. That's like a dream to me. Yeah. Guess like we were just talking about with um, nursing and like this, your academic version of yourself and your career version of self and that pressure to kind of achieve a certain way and to be linear and progressive. But then when you're creating, you're much more free and much more accepting of that eclectic nature of it. Like unsure of how it's going to unfold Little and just being in the road and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And do you feel like that's something you've had to work hard for? Have you had to really train yourself to like be like, well, this isn't going to be a, like you said, a perfectly neat one coloured um, blanket that, you know, could be stocked in some store somewhere. Like I'm happy for like, yeah. to be like expressive and creative and individual. And like you said, tuck away those mistakes and learn from them and like restart the clay projects because they all cracked in the, um, mm. the kiln. <laughs> How is that something that's like, is that come, does it come easier for you to be more accepting in your creative practice? Yeah, no, do you know what? I think that that is me, like just being very eclectic and like messing things up and like I don't like straight lines and if I'm cooking, I don't measure stuff. I'm just like, that'll do, blah, blah, blah. That's who I am. But I feel like, you know, going to school and like you have to do this, that and the other and like tick the boxes and meet the marks of things and then in year 12, 11 or 12, like, what are you going to do for work? And I know, like, coming from Albany, where we went to school, like, there was a few options of things that you could do if you were going to stay down there, don't you think? Oh, like, absolutely. I think it's a bit more broad now, but there was only, like, a few TAFE courses. So I was like, am I going to do horticulture or am I going to do nursing? Yeah, and I was like, well, like, I suppose I could do nursing. Like, I, I didn't know. <laughs> So then I went down that path and that's very like, it's rigid, isn't it? Because you're looking after people and like people's lives in your hands. But really, if I'm honest with myself, I probably would have been, you know, much more suited to something arty or creative or that kind of thing. But I just feel like it didn't go down that path. So I feel like now I'm really coming into myself, right? I'm like cruising towards 40. <laughs> what do I actually like? And what, and what, like, who am I? And I think a lot of like, you know, when you get to this age and like, especially if you've had a few kids, I'm like, who am I? What do I want? And no, that's me. Like I'm very eclectic and I'm just, I feel like my creativity has kind of given me permission to be myself. Yeah. I'm colourful and creative and, and Ian as well. He's like very encouraging and like, that's who you are. And, you know. Oh, he's such a sweetheart. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He loves living a colourful life. (laughs) (laughs) I know it would be, um, it'd be problematic if you had a husband that liked white, clean interiors with no colour and no artistic flair. I had a friend over the other day and she said, oh, I love, I'd love to do something creative, but I have no space. And like my husband just laughs at everything I try my hand at. And that really broke my heart. I was just like, it's really like really really sad you don't have that space yeah it is really sad because I mean it's all I'm all for advocating like people giving themselves permission but at the end Mm. of the day like we're relational creatures and we are 
usually living mm. in shared environments. So if there isn't that support, it usually dampens creative spirit no matter how much you give yourself permission because... Yeah, absolutely. You know, like what sort of resilience do you have to have, especially in those early vulnerable days mm. of trying new creative projects and exploring things and making things that are really wobbly, that if it's not mm. um, encouraged or well-received by someone or even if they ridicule it, whether it's intentional or... Yeah, and I after I had Lucy, like I mentioned, I had bad postnatal depression. That's when I started crocheting, and there was it was just such a positive thing for me. So then, when I was pregnant with Jimmy, and we kind of were learning that things were going a bit bumpy, like with the ultrasounds and stuff, we're like, oh, it's not going to be great. Ian was like, right, you need a space where you can just have your craft stuff, and you know, he really like um our like front study has got like a computer, and then just all of my craft. Stuff. and yeah I don't know I feel like in the vulnerable position that I was in like pregnant over kids I was like that means so much to me like that means the absolute world that you can see me you see what I need and you also have like provided me with this space to just be me and like have that yeah have that nourishment yeah so definitely support makes a big a big difference don't you think yeah yeah absolutely and you don't always have to understand it and I think well we have to be wary when we don't understand things careful about what we say because when you don't understand creativity and art making it's so easy to kind of just like rush into ingrained ways that we respond to it by either saying like that looks good or that looks bad or you know that's a bit weird or are you going to do this or why is it so messy in here or and actually like being more mindful about what you're saying like you said the purpose of creativity for you and art making for you in that moment was a completely just about self-care and building resilience mm. and having something for yourself when you have three kids already and and one on the way who's potentially going to have you know the same and ended up having the same diagnosis as mm. ollie mm-hmm. but ian is like i don't care what it looks like you know i just want yeah. you to feel he's like i want you to be happy I'll do whatever it takes. I'll buy you a kiln. <laughs> <laughs> it has become so ingrained in your family life, though, your creative journey. And that's been so lovely to see, actually, is um, that it's not just been... Yeah, speak a bit more to, about that. Like, how do you feel like it's evolved? Does it, Ian ever get involved in your creative sessions or is it just the kids that... Do the, are they more curi- creatively curious because of your practice? No, Ian is very involved. He's like, I'm like the flair and he's the brains behind many of my projects. I'll be like, I want to do this, this, this. And he'll be like, okay, yep, you need to do this. Who's like the years? He'll be at Bunnings getting things for me. And and he did like with the ceramics, he was doing slip casting. So And I was doing like hand molding of things. So he had to like make the... um molds for his thing so we were both doing it side, like side by side and then I guess that's just our norm so then the kids have just been born into it like they had no choice they were <laughs> they if I want to create then they're going to be creating because I don't feel like I could go in a room and shut myself in there and be like I'm, do- I'm doing it because I just wouldn't get the time to create during the day because they're always around yeah it's just like they just do it and they just really love it like it's not like I'm like sit down and do you're crafting <laughs> I just my door to my craft room is open and they can go in and out as they please and they come out with little things like art and glued or you know they we did a sensory path at school and they um, carted bricks around and 
helped me cut tiles and glued them, especially like I just love to teach them like giving back to your community. Our school's been really great for us. So I just feel like, yeah, like volunteering and that kind of thing. It's, yeah, it's really good for them. Mm. And creative creativity is such a lovely way to volunteer. You know, you're still doing something that is enriching and of value to yourself, but you're sharing it, you're gifting it outwards into the world. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I did want to ask you, you have a really, you can fill me in on this, but I assume that's part of it is because of the boys, um, you know, chronic illness and particularly with the last few years of things that have gone on. Mm. But some of it I know is also personal values and perspective for you and Ian about your kids aren't overly and heavily engaged in out-of-school activities, which for a city like Perth, I'm not sure where anyone else, anywhere else is in the world. Mm. Um I'm living in Albany at the moment. I know there is some out-of-school activity kind of drive down here, but it's definitely not as much as when I was working and living in the city. And I ran Ooh. a lot of after-school art classes and kids that attended those art classes would have something on every day. And I'm not saying that that's, you know, vilifying that in any way. Families mm. do what works for them and what they feel beneficial to their kids. But you guys don't intentionally, you know, the kids do attend a few um, treat school holiday workshops and things, but you intentionally don't have them engaged in something every mm. day. And I'd be curious to hear like a little bit more about that, but also a little bit more of how that feeds into your creative life and their development of creativity. Do you think um, having mm. less of a full schedule allows them to be more creative as well as obviously you and Ian not having to <laughs> rush around in the car? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think first and foremost, I my kids are just done by 2.45 when I pick them up from school. They are so drained. They're, you know, they're just so stimulated. They're tired. They, I couldn't think of anything worse then packing them all in the car and then taking them somewhere else for one of them to do something and for the other three to sit and sit in the car. Tim's just turned three now, but I've always, for the last 10 years, I've had a baby and babies are hard work to take around. Even like a three-year-old doesn't want to be dragged around. And I think the times that I have done that, then I've been like, he's so naughty, like my three-year-old, he just won't sit and do this like the girls are you know I'm trying to think they're so naughty I'm like no they're actually not they're getting dragged around in the car in and out of their car seats they're hot they're tired they're you know it just it was trial and error but it just did not work for us and then yeah I guess like the boys being unwell and we can't make every week to things because we've got hospital appointments we've got hospital admissions like someone's sick or other people are sick and you know so, yeah, I guess for us as a family, we like being together. We're happiest when we're all together and we love our, our home and we love our garden and we just I just try and dial down after school. But they can watch TV if they want or, like, they'll play out. They generally just end up going outside and playing together. Or if I'm doing something, like if today I had the clay out on the back table, that would be them for the rest of the afternoon and they would be happy as Larry in fact I might actually do that because <laughs> you, do you know what I mean like if you've got those like invitations to do stuff or like if they've got like felt out and you know, like stuff to make pom-poms or just those little like not me being like sit down and do it they'll just naturally choose that and yeah and I guess that's yeah just the way we are like if I'm painting in the backyard a couple of weeks ago I was painting like pot plants and stuff like that they came home and Lucy was like 
tearing off her school clothes and putting her dad's old shirt on. She's like, where can I paint? Like, they just, they just really love it. It's not forced at all by me. They just really enjoy it. And I, I feel like the cost as well is a big thing for us. If I had the money to put them in more, I, maybe I would. Like I might put the girls into gymnastics and things like that. But things are so expensive. And like there's these amazing art classes up the hill and they're like $160 off. So, you know, it's like just like really quite spendy if considering I want to put three kids in for a term. <laughs> so I just can't. Like, mm. it's, yeah, there's that barrier as well. So, yeah, there's multiple things that come into it. But I think the main thing for me is I just, my kids just need calm. Like they don't need to be doing more after school. It's beneficial for all of us if it's just, yeah, just chill. Yeah. And so like you said, to get that time as a family, I mean, I think a lot of families struggle to find time together and like a good dosage of time mm-hmm. together. But I imagine that's even more so for you guys because you have had to go through phases where that family time has been really fractured yeah. because the boys are in hospital. Absolutely. Yeah, Lucy and Ruby obviously probably crave that time with their brothers, but also with you, especially just after you know any sort of periods of hospitalization or disruption mm. that way. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that you already have that routine and that normalcy of it and that availability of it so there's that reassurance for them I'm sure that predictability knowing that when you get through the bumpy phase even if an extended one that this is what our home is like you know when everybody's well and we get to be creative and together our usual routine Mm. yeah that's very true and I guess like having time apart from each other especially extended periods of time when the boys are in hospital it is so hard, especially on the girls. They get very anxious and that was another reason that I stopped working, to be honest, because that my kids didn't know, like, we're both doing shift work and they didn't know who was coming and going and the difference in them after me stopping working and being home every day and just they know what to expect. They know that mum's going to be home and they know mum's going to pick them up and they're going to have afternoon tea ready and kids really need it, don't they, that routine and um, that rhythm. To, through the day yeah so we focus on on that when we can because our lives can be very unpredictable yeah I try and keep things same and look it does get boring at times but that's why I'm so creative because it's a good outlet yeah and it's a good way to diversify things everyone's feeling a bit restless and bored then you can it's like inviting something mm. a spark into the home you can just change up the art materials and you've already got like you said an invitation to create a lot of families get stuck feeling like they have to know the method and they have to be really well educated in creativity and art making themselves but actually Mm. kids benefit a lot from just exploration and play and being spontaneous with art material so sometimes it's just getting a singular art material out and like you said having it on the table and that's the invitation to create is they then work with what is in front of them yeah and I feel like it's really um taught us a lot about each other as well like Ruby she's about to turn eight she's very she likes straight line and she likes things an exact way and she says to me now mom I know you like things a mess and I know you like wobbly lines but I cannot have that on mine (laughs) so I just feel like I I feel like she's like they kind of see Ian and I as people if that makes sense Mm. It's like we're learning alongside them and we make mistakes and we mess up and we try again and, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. It's like so many lessons in it. It's, it might just seem like a, a block of clay but really there's, there's so much to it. And we laugh and 
music on and relaxed and yeah yeah so lovely it's so nice to hear the way like what art has provided your family and your creative practices provided you yeah I can see yeah how much how much it gives you and how much comfort it gives you it's like interesting the lessons that come along the way without you even having to um, necessarily like dig them out I think a lot of people question whether they have to, if they want benefit from art making whether they have to do it a certain way but the lessons just happen along the way like with persistent practice like you said over time you naturally mm. just learn about each other yeah. and your kids learn from you and there's this modeling that happens when like you said you make mistakes or you follow through with projects or you change your yeah. mind or you know whatever it is it's- yeah absolutely there's so many lessons you want to teach your kids I'm like am I telling them all the right things and blah blah but it's just in the every day isn't it keep practicing and I make sure I'm like oh, I wasn't, I wasn't very good at crocheting these flowers, but now look at me. I practiced, I crochet every day and look how, like, how much I've improved. And now we're like, yeah, man, I think it's sinking you. <laughs> I think so. And they're very creative little souls from what I can tell. And I think just um, you provided them with an experience where creativity is just celebrated it's not judged Mm. or it's not because I think there's been a common theme with all my guests so far when I ask them about their creative pathway at the beginning of the podcast is they all start talking about school that's where it starts yeah yeah I was just about to say my kids at school um Ollie came home he's come home quite quite a few times me like I'm gonna get a d in art and we're just like what why are we grading art Mm. or like oh, I wasn't allowed to do that on my painting, but I'll do like do this bit. And like they do at um at our school, they do like an extra art. Like I don't know if they go to it during the day or extension art, like after school or something. Um, And I asked about it because Ollie is like, Ollie's so creative. He kind of struggles academically, but creatively he's like, you know, that's how his brain works. And they said to me, oh, only kids who are doing really well academically can get into the art program. No. What? My good friend, she's a she's an artist, she's a jeweler, and her daughter's in the same class. We're just like, what? Like our kids are both struggling, but they're so creative. Like, how can you deny that because they're not performing? Like, uh, there's just so much frustration. Sometimes it goes hand in hand where people that are academic are also creative and art loving. But so often it doesn't because mm. you can be so creative and so, I don't know, involved in art making in it with like a whole different skill mm. set to what's required to sit in a seat and perform ac- academically. So it's that's so frustrating that they just make one connection and one connection only. And what does that communicate to kids? Like, oh, you're not good enough to make art because you're not performing well in other areas. Like art should be for everyone, full stop. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And now like I dropped my little five-year-old off Lucy off to class and she's like got to sit at a desk first thing in the morning and copy like lines off her off the smart board I'm like she's five years old in pre-primary where is where is like the paint and the drawing and stuff there's no like draw like free drawing it's all like printouts from websites and you color in like what is going on here honestly if I had the energy and the time I would just keep them home and just do it myself but you know obviously there's barriers to that but it's just so sad I'm like she's tiny she should be creating and she says I only like school when I get to go to art and that's like you know half an hour 
Yeah, where's the understanding of where learning happens at a certain age? Yeah, there's absolutely a place to learn to spell and to calculate and Mm. to, you know, be able to write well and to be able to formulate written verse and, you know, all sorts of things. Um, There's a whole host of academic skills that are very useful and can be very problematic if they're missed. But why so young? Like, there's so much learning that can be great foundations, like building blocks for that. They're just not seen as such. Like, oh, you know, play and art making and it's just this frivolous. Yeah, it's just this fluffy, like fluffiness. It's a cute hobby. and Yeah, that's where the learning's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just such a shame, isn't it? It is such a shame. I do hope we see it change. But unfortunately, when you've got kids within that system and setting, it's probably not going to change while they're there, which is must be really hard. I know. And is that really where I need to put all my energy to suggesting that they should be doing more art? Probably not. <laughs> no, but you're giving yeah, them an alternative experience. Yeah, absolutely, which is so nice. Exactly. And that's why I do encourage all parents, like regardless of whether they don't feel like they're qualified, to just mm. give it a go because sometimes you don't realise like you're offering an alternate. Oh, I just thought of one other thing. I I used to think, and I think a lot of parents can think like this, like I, I hate doing arts and crafts with my kids because I think people think of arts and crafts as like going to Kmart and getting like one of those packs, you know what I mean, and then like sticking like stuff on and just chosen something I like and then my kids follow like along with it don't need to spend lots of money yeah and you don't need to also follow trends because I think they feel like they need to do slime or you know whichever like crazy sensation is happening which obviously those activities are fun but if that's going to cause you an undue stress because yeah I couldn't think of anything worse than slime (laughs) ruin your household (laughs) yeah (laughs) there are options there's no prescriptive way like you said to have art in your house (laughs) yes so true Okay, we're going to finish up with our three questions because I think Jimmy is reaching his... Um, yeah, he wants to get dressed in his filing gear. <laughs> he needs some mum input. <laughs> so I was curious whether you have... Well, we might already know the answer to this depending on our conversation so far, but you might surprise me with something fresh. What is your Ooh, okay. go-to nurturing art activity? Crochet. Crochet. Always. Pajamas, cup of tea, little snack, crochet. <laughs> Oh, sounds heavenly. <laughs> yes. Do you have any barriers to art making or a barrier that you find you constantly have to sort of battle and would you have any tips to overcome it? Yeah, sure. So I, for me, I have been going through this a lot lately. Like, what is the point? I just keep saying to myself, what is the point of making this? Because what are you going to do? with Like, why have you got all this craft stuff? What is the point? You're just, just, you're just taking up space and really hard to just like give myself a talking to and be like, there is a point. There's like, and there's a um an audio that you probably know. And it's a woman talking about joy. And she's like, why do you do that? Because it, because it brings joy. Like, and then she goes on and on. I can't remember the rest. But that's why I tell myself, like, this is bringing you joy in this moment and peace. And it's bringing you back to yourself. We're doing it. <laughs> if we've got too much stuff, we'll do a bit of a cull. <laughs> and I feel like another thing that I didn't touch on was craft supplies. I find a, I find most of my stuff at the op shop. And that's a barrier that I had to kind of overcome because I think if I can't go down to Spotlight and spend $100 on yarn, every week or so as I want it and as I'm making all this stuff. So I go to the op shop and get bags for a dollar, three dollars. I cut up clothes. I like cut up all crochet blankets and yeah, that's another thing. So looking outside the box, like buy nothing pages, asking if anyone's got yarn, like lots of people, you know, I, I have like, I'll open my front door and there'll be like 
tubs of yarn because people know I'm the yarn girl. Tubs of yarn, like old plates for me. Like people just know and Oh, that's such a nice community thing, isn't it? To be able to Yeah, absolutely. That's what that's what has brought me creativity has brought me a real community that I've needed and lent on a lot. Yeah, that's so lovely. And I think um, we should all ingrain that, that it brings you joy. And that is reason enough. Doesn't need to be anything more than that. And if it brings you joy, then it's perfectly okay to spend time doing it. And the last question is, do you have a creative dream or goal at the moment? And I'm sure you've got lots, but what's one that comes to mind? My, I was thinking about this and my goal, I really want to go, maybe when Jimmy's in kindy, probably like in a year or two, I would love to go like to TAFE or something and do an art course. Like I don't know what I do, but I'd love to go and put some energy into like and to really giving that side of myself attention. Yeah, I'd love to do that. And you know what? It sounds crazy, but I'd also love to write a book. Oh, yes, I would love please. to write some kind of book about and like, you know, get all of my experiences as like a nurse and a mom. And I love writing. So, I mean, I don't know about a memoir because I don't know if people would actually care enough to read about me, but yeah, some kind of creative writing or I don't know. I feel like the world is my oyster. It's exciting. I'm trying to flip it. It's not like I'm lost. What am I going to do next? It's like, oh, what could I do next? <laughs> yeah, you can do anything. That's it. And I think that is an absolute myth that people wouldn't be interested in your story because they're the stories everybody is interested in. You know, the I ones love those kind of stories. Yeah. They just share that people share their humanity and that's where we see ourselves in everyday people. It doesn't need to be, you know. Yeah, you don't need to be a famous influencer or something like that, you know? You can just be a regular kind of person and people want to hear hear what you've been through and how you've overcome it. And I am first in line to be, um, uh, what are they called? Like a, you know when people share share their proofs with like a certain yeah, handful of people? Yeah, what's that called? Editor's too grand because I feel like that's yeah. an actual professional <laughs> title. Like a proofreader or? <laughs> yeah, but I'll be, I can be a creative encourager. <laughs> Uh, look, I've put it out there now. I'm I'm going to have to... I've always loved writing. I love. I should start jotting things down. Mm. Well, you wrote a blog for a while, which served you well. I did. Early days of adjusting to new life. Yeah, I did. And then that felt, felt a bit too exposing after a while when my kids got to a certain age and, you know, with the internet and that kind of thing. But I love writing. It just evokes so much it. emotion, doesn't it? Oh, thank you so much for coming on today, Elliot. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so delighted to be on and I'm it's exactly what I needed, a really nourishing podcast. Yeah, I'm really excited to share your episode with the world. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Art Muse. If you enjoyed the podcast, there are three ways you can support it. The easy way is to review, share or subscribe using your listening platform. The second way is to donate a Ko-fi using the Ko-fi platform. A great way to support any creatives registered on the site, it's a once-off donation equivalent to a cup of coffee, particularly fitting for me as I don't actually drink coffee. The third way is you can use one of the affiliate links when purchasing your art materials. I'm affiliated with Jackson's or Riot Art and Craft. Using the links means I get a small portion of the sale and it will all help to keep the podcast up and running and thriving. I am super appreciative of any support and I'll include each of those methods in the show notes or show description. Also, one last thing while I have you, I love dialogue with the ArtMuse community, so feel free to get in touch via Instagram at artmuse underscore podcast or 
email at hello sunflowerandivy.com.au.